0: Jeremy, really, if, if you would like to introduce yourself um, to myself and the audience, uh, who will be listening live and on the podcast, and maybe tell us a bit about yourself, and uh, we'll kick it off from there.
1: Yeah, well, uh, thanks for um, uh, making the space for, uh, to talk about this. Um, my name is Jeremy. Uh, I also go by Zero Fish Zero, and I'm the founder and animator behind the uh, Lucky Ducky project. So... Uh, My background is in stop-motion. I I worked in the industry in L.A., uh, making uh, shows and uh, commercials, music videos, uh, even a movie. Um, If anyone watched, Marcel Lachelle came out, uh, I think that was 2022, last year, and um, got nominated for an Oscar, which was crazy, but I worked on that um, back in 2020. Um, But yeah, I've been working in in the industry for about 10 years, uh, working all sorts of crazy jobs, um, doing anything from animation to uh, set dressing, to props, to, uh, all sorts of crazy stuff. And, uh, and then I find myself, um, working on robot chicken back in 20, 2021, And, uh, this NFT thing starts happening and I start to get curious about it and, um, uh, start to release my own work. And, um, one thing led to another, and I can dive into it more uh, later, but um, we formed uh, Lucky Ducky and wanted to make a, a generative collection. So we launched Lucky Ducky in March of 2021, 20, or sorry, 22. It's all blending together. 22 and uh, sold out in 15 minutes. And... Um, We've been building that ever since and um, uh, you know with my background in animation we've been trying to pitch this as a series for streaming uh, as a claymation project so it's been a really uh, awesome way to uh, build a community and a fan base and uh, all the things that I love to do uh, we can now get to share it with um, with you know Twitter with the space and um, hopefully into the mainstream soon so uh, that's a real quick rundown of it but um, that's yeah how I got here today
0: no, I love that. I love that. I've never met anyone who's um been doing animation properly like you've been doing it uh that sounds really like really interesting and really cool actually. I'd like to get you to tell me a little bit about that really um like the animation you were doing is it like cart- did you start off doing like cartoon animation or was it always sort of stop motiony uh, I guess, like Wallace and Gromit style, um, what would you say you sort of started in? And also, like, how is it that you even come about learning that sort of stuff? Uh,
1: it really just starts from uh, play when, when I was a kid. Um, I, I had a bunch of toys and I, I was doing, uh, uh, I was really into like the Star Wars films. And and I, I got this Lego set that had a, um, a little webcam and it plugged in the computer and you can like make little movies with it. I didn't know when I was like 11 or 12, but what I was doing was learning stop motion because with Legos and with a camera, like that's basically how you have to do it because it's all frame by frame. And uh, I really just wanted to make my own Star Wars uh, shorts and, and clips when I was a kid. So that was kind of the, the, the start of it and wanting to like um, you know, have fun in that space. I have all these toys and I want to, you know, play with my imagination. And um, so I was just kind of winging it when I was little, um, but as I got older, I started to get a little bit better, and I kept doing it, and then I went to college, and I was like, well, I want to be a professional. I want to make a career of this, so I, I figured out that. Um, this was like the early 2000s when everything was going CG uh, and moving away from the old practical effects, so I um, started to learn, learn about, uh, about how... Um, animation was going into the digital realm and, 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 Pixar and, and all these, uh, digital effects. So I decided I wanted to do computer animation for, for that, uh, path. And I started learning computer animation. Um, but they, they start you off at, uh, at least the college I went to, um, learning about the fundamentals. So, uh, it all is based on the same principles. Um, uh, when you watch like, um, Nightmare Before Christmas or even like Snow White or Pinocchio, all the classic Disney films. It's all basically the same um, technology, like fundamentally, um, and principles behind everything. So you learn like how to make a character squash and move appropriately and how to like frame by frame all the, the technical parts work together. And we learn, you know, by doing it by hand, by drawing. So I learned all the the old old school ways of doing the thing before I couldn't touch the computer side. And, um, I really loved the, the hand, uh, hands-on approach, like the, the drawing, the, the real technical parts of the animation. And, um, once I got on the computer side, I really did not connect with, um, doing the computer animation. I, I tried studying Maya. I tried like all these t- uh, digital programs, but really, I just kind of could not connect with it. And, Um, I had to switch majors or um, I was failing at one point and at the verge of like either dropping out or uh, switching majors. And um, I really just dug back into what I really loved about it. And it was the the practical side, not the digital side. So I I switched majors to fine arts, which allowed me to uh, tap back into um, what I really fell in love with at first and fine arts allowed me to do um, stop motion again there was no program to to learn stop motion Um, so i basically had to uh, teach myself through the guise of doing um, sculpture classes uh, film classes photography classes and i basically was like a pain a pain the thorn like the side of uh, all my teachers who uh were saying like oh you can't take this because you don't have a prerequisite you're not a photo major you can't take this class and i had like argue with them and say this is why I'm doing this. And please let me take your class. I, I'm a senior and I need to do this thing. Um, but finally I was able to make it happen. And I, I made my own little curriculum and I made a thesis for myself. And, um, you yeah, know, it's like, a I I think like that was kind of the thing that if I just had set, sat back and just kind of let everyone tell me what to do, it wouldn't have, uh, led me here. And, um, yeah. And that, gave me the portfolio to um, come out to California and to uh, lie a little bit on my resume. And uh, I, I said, I was out in California when I wasn't, I was in Florida at the time and they were like, can you start next week? And I was like, give me two weeks. And, and I packed all my clothes, my clothes and stuff and just drove cross country for an internship. Um, so yeah, then I, I landed in California and um, started an internship and, uh, been building this weird stop motion thing ever since
0: now i love i love that because uh, you mentioned as well at, right at the start you mentioned about uh, doing stop motion with like the little toys and stuff uh, i did the same with my friends <laughs> we did the the lego star wars uh, stop motion we used to when i was younger we used to watch a lot of these on youtube and be like amazed by how well I guess back then we're like how good they are if I go back and look at them now some of them are definitely a bit shaky <laughs> um but that that is that I, I actually really um I sort of feel feel the same way like in terms of how you started that obviously you've gone on to create something crazy uh, and I think that the fact that you were doing this at such a young age and you're still doing it now shows like a true passion for what you do which is uh really good to hear really I like I like to hear that because it you're not going to suddenly fall off the wagon now are you like 10 years later I, I highly doubt so um yeah and you were you were saying about actually uh the drawing side of things there I just want to know because you went into stop motion is it mainly because you weren't so art- artistic because I should imagine like doing the animation and the art go hand in hand
1: yeah I mean it, it's um stop motion is kind of like one of those catch-all for like there's if you're into like sculpture if you're into painting if you're into like um drawing like it really encompasses all sorts of talents in there and and um I, you know I, I i was a kid that like you know i was thrown into art classes very young and i was very fortunate that i had the chance to like um kind of like push myself in that field my mom was like always pushing me to like you know uh, enter contests and do extra classes and stuff on the side and I, I really kind of like experimented with art when I was younger, and and I got to like do drawing and painting, and I was into pastels for a minute. I was doing like really detailed drawings of like rock stars for a minute, doing like really the you know like those um, very technical like pencil drawings. So like I I, I knew that I had like a, an ability to to do art, and, and like I knew that sense of me, um, but like the, I think like there's a lot of um, you know crossover still so like even when i'm doing stop motion like your your brain has to somehow like connect the lines that like you can see in your head but like are not quite visible on on screen if you if, you get know what i'm saying like um because there's always motion happening and you're trying to like if you're making a baseball bat swing you have to like figure out where the the bat's going frame by frame um if you're working digitally you can work backwards a lot where you can do like the uh the the starting point and the end point and the computer will kind of fill in the the distance in between, but if you're working in stop motion, uh, we don't have that uh, ability, so uh, we do it with what's called straight ahead. And straight ahead means you just go frame by frame by frame. And if you mess up uh, frame, you know, twenty like you know, twenty frames back, you have to cut back those twenty frames and start over. Um, so you're always trying to anticipate uh, what's coming and what's, you know, the next step you can't go in and finesse and, and, and fix things, uh, after the fact, uh, you can do a little bit in the, in after effects, but most, most of the ways you're trying to just, uh, see things coming. And all, if you see a mistake happen, you want to account for it as quickly as you, can, as you possibly can. Cause that saves you from redoing a whole shot. Uh, if you screw up, like at the very beginning and you find out at the very end, um, so yeah, it's there's lots of like movement and and uh, drawing and painting. Like it's just a lot of like overlap between all these things. It's not like a one to one, but I think there is some help there that
0: these other uh, technical skills bring to it. Yeah, no, I just find it fascinating. Like hearing you talk about it is is really interesting to me. Before before I move on to actually asking you about how you got into crypto through through doing this um, and how you heard about, it, I just want to see if you can name me like your favorite stop motion film. Like, is there is there a stop motion film out there that you think was done incredibly well? And as like someone who's in the industry you know you would say oh that is a that is a work of art you know what i mean
1: uh i I mean it's it's tough now because i've uh after working on marcel the shell that that movie like is really close to me and it's it's like oh yeah name the one that you worked on but like that one is really special um it's like tugs at your heartstrings and it's like really well done and it's a great story um Besides that one, maybe uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox is my other uh, go-to. Those two just like really just nail it for um, the technical skill, but also like knowing what it is. It's like a stop motion film. It's not trying to be something else that um, I think a lot of stop motion kind of gets, you know, tied up in. Um,
0: But yeah, those two are my favorites, uh, Marcel and and Fantastic Mr. Fox. I'll have to watch Marcel after this, actually. Um, and Fantastic Mr. Fox is great. I watched that the other day. I think that was uh, a very well done movie. Along with that, like I really like the uh, original, like Wallace and Gromit. Um, it no- it's normally gets played at Christmas time here. I don't know about um, where you're from, but it's the uh, the Moon's Made of Cheese one. And also, I think the the trousers, uh, what is it, the metal trousers or whatever it is there? They're like really nostalgic for. Oh me. yeah, those
1: those are great. I, I also love the uh, Creature Comforts with, uh, the interviews. Um, those are really fun.
0: Um, yeah all these things are so well done as well i'm gonna to have to go back and rewatch some of these and i'm definitely gonna watch the one that you worked on um after speaking to you so jeremy if i if i now ask you how how on earth you ever heard about got into crypto um in you know i I don't know if you heard about it through your line of work through someone you work with um, maybe you could tell me you know how you actually got into this yeah,
1: it actually started back in uh, twenty eleven. Uh, I think was, yeah, twenty eleven when I first heard about crypto. Um, I think it was like very early days of, of Bitcoin and, and just like this interesting technology that was like supposed to like revolutionize finance and trading and and sending money back and forth and. As, like I, I'm, uh, if you know me in like real life, I am always like curious about technology too. Like I'm always like staying on top of like new apps and you know, devices and things. Like I'm always curious about this stuff, and um I you know I w- like you always wish you could go back and like you know put time into this stuff when you first heard about it but of course i i downloaded coinbase when like it first came out and i got like four dollars uh worth of of crypto back then and like oh no no it was a dollar i think back then um and then i didn't touch it for like a couple of years and then i opened it back up years later and it's like worth four dollars <laughs> and like man if i had just like thrown like a hundred dollars back then which as a college student, you know, like you can't do is like, you you know, you're trying to afford ramen and stuff, but like, you know, you think about like all the stuff you, you wish you had, like, just thrown a little bit on the side into, and, and uh, now you'd be like a millionaire or something. But yeah, I first heard about it in uh, early days um, of the crypto scene and just thought it was like an interesting, like use case. And, you know, I, I'm not like a finance guy. Like I, I don't, you know, do like stock trading or anything. So it just was kind of like. Cool on the technology front. And then um, years later, uh, I'm working, uh, I think it was on Robot Chicken. Um, I start finding out that there's this uh, thing happening called NFTs and it's based on Ethereum. And um, I heard about like CryptoKitties a, l- a little bit, but like that whole thing sounded very complicated. And uh, like there's like they're multiplying and they're coming out every once in a while. Like, I guess like, oh, that sounds like a weird crypto game. I'm not, con- you know, doesn't really concern me within this like uh, NFT was like an art form It's based on blockchain and it's all like, you know, randomly generated, but it's also, you can cross check it and it's a way to make it rare in a digital sense that like uh, as an animator, your work really isn't um, viable in a like gallery space. Um, So, you know, if, if, if anyone is familiar with like the art world, pre like 2018 or so like you might go to a gallery or museum and you see like a digital piece on the wall but it's basically sold as like a one-off uh tv almost or like as a disc because it's really hard to sell a digital piece of art uh it's like nfts um so they do all these things like there's um there's one artist matthew barney who would uh sell uh i think he sold like props from his films and he'd also sell like limited runs of his uh films on on disc so if you know anything about like um how like the disc degrades and all this physical media over time that that disc is no longer going to be viable like in 100 years or 50 years even so it's really like uh a, a problem of uh media and and how do you make digital media rare and one of one and uh and I, I found it fascinating that um the blockchain uh technology was able to like make art uh into a rarefied thing like you would find a painting or or a sculpture. And you know when I was in college I tried selling my thesis statement or my my thesis as a um as a series of DVDs and I I, I don't think I sold any of them um but like i was trying to sell something related to my work as a fine art piece and it just did not work as a uh piece of you know physical media um but now like nft's completely uprooted the whole system and and uh, i think there's people came out with his like everyday piece that I've sold for like millions of dollars and um that really just kind of blew my mind and i really just kind of jumped into it and started learning and understanding how like you know the technology works and how I can get my work up on foundation and um and that just kind of snowballed and and uh, I, was, I was working at the time, and my my coworkers would be saying like, "Oh, did you sell out? did you sell out? And when you sell your first piece, it's just like the craziest experience because you know you don't have to like mail off a sculpture. you don't have to like you know deal with a postal service. It's like it's just it's there. It's just in someone's hands, you got paid for it. It's just this really crazy thing that happens. Um, and I, I got the bug and just wanted to keep making uh work off of that.
0: Yeah. And I should imagine someone with like skills that you possess the idea of NFTs when, when you first came across it, it must really stand out to you, like as a potential means to firstly, like, you know, I guess make money, but also just create more things, create more, um, you know, whether it be animation, you could, you could probably use NFT technology, in what you do, uh, and obviously you are <laughs> um, so easily, uh, also it made me laugh when you spoke about the uh, the one dollar turning into four dollars. I literally had a friend around earlier, and I was telling him how I had at one point I had like fourteen ethereum um and it was like it was nothing and then i then i just stupidly sold it (laughs) before this was like pre ethereum being like pre 100 dollars and stuff and i was just reminiscing with him earlier about the potential that i I could have had um these these things are always made for quite funny stories i haven't heard anyone actually uh have a story going back so far as yours though like 2011 is pretty early. Yeah, it,
1: I um, I, I think I bought like Apple stock at the time, and you know that one did okay, like it, pretty good considering. But um, yeah, if I had put in that same amount of money into uh, into Bitcoin, we'd we'd be having a much different conversation right now. Um, but yeah, it, it's um, this this the, the thing that's like keeps me coming back to this is like the technology is really like uh, interesting to me, and like you know now I I look at art in a different way than I did like ten years ago. Um, I only thought of the animation and the work I was doing as something that, you know, would be viable for TV or for film, but like not something you could put into a gallery or something that would, a collector would want to, uh, purchase. Um, and really there wasn't a lot of options in that realm. Like I tried getting into the gallery scene, uh, when I first moved to LA and and that was a whole struggle because there's a whole, like, you know, you think like there's gatekeeping in um, the NFT space to some degree, there's like a whole world of gatekeeping in the, the gallery system in you know, New York or LA, or it's, it's like, you know, all the complaints, like it's funny when people complain about NFTs as being this, like the scheme or this thing that's like, you know, all a setup and it's like, you know, welcome to the art world. Like that's like literally the art market is made up of, uh, of that whole, the same system just on a much grander scale. Um, and, and, you know, it's like, you can, obviously you can say that you want to be part of that and that's, that's totally fine. But uh, if you want to be an artist and a working artist and a gallery artist, like all these things you have to think about and whether you reject it or, you know, buy into it or figure out your own way, like it's all, you know, considerations and, um, you know, that's a bit of a tangent, but, um, but yeah, I think that like, I I find so many uh, interesting things that you can do with this technology now where like, we're looking at putting like lucky ducky into games where we don't have to actually do any coding ourselves, but uh, game uh, makers can now like plug in with the, um, you know, the blockchain element to it. And just like you you own a ducky and now you have a playable character in their game. And it's just like, that stuff is just like fantasy, uh, you know, 10 years ago, but now it's like, it's practical. It's like literally happening. And we're just kind of imagining what uh, next steps we want to take and, it's me asking my developer like what uh if we can do this or not and he usually says begrudgingly like maybe it's like take some time but trying to like find the stuff that's doable and a lot of it comes down to like just how big is our imagination and has the technology caught up to us yet um so that's been the really fun part is just like not being limited by our ideas it's just waiting for it all to catch up
0: Yeah, well, we'll, what we'll do is um, I'll get you to talk to me about Lucky Ducky in a lot more detail in literally one second. But you just what you said about the uh, the art um, galleries, you you sort of reminded me of a tinfoil hat theory, and I wanted to ask you a question as you're probably quite a suitable person to ask, like or more more just what your thoughts are on the, you know, people say some modern art could be sort of seen, and I'm talking about like when you get like a banana skin on a wall. Uh, some people say you know money laundering with these artworks do you do you reckon that's legit like I just want to hear from you this, do you think that's like a legitimate thing people are like paying millions for artwork that's obviously nothing special but it's just a way of like laundering their, their cash I,
1: I mean there's I, I definitely think there is some element of like you know anything that's an investment uh, or like some sort of uh, you know you have a stake in that you hope that will uh, appreciate value over time there's going to be a lot of systems in place that promote that to, you know, encourage that behavior. That like, you know, the next person you hand it off to, it grows, you know, five x, ten x. And you know, I, I'm not as uh, glued into the like the art market and the the traditional art field, but like from what I've seen on my limited scope, yeah, you know, there is like, there is going to be an element of uh, art as finance tools and. Um, and you know, with anything that's uh, a, a supposed to like appreciate value, there's going to be some artificial ways to manipulate that value, and there's going to be some n- normalized and normal ways that the value increases or decreases. Um, I think is art. Art is such like a weird thing that like you know, it, it's such a gray area where like you can look at a piece and say that's not valuable to me. That's you know, doesn't have en- enough hours put into it, or it's enough like. You know, it's not technically well done. Um, but there's someone else that can say that that piece is valuable because of the person behind it or the amount of like thought that went into it, or it's the first person to ever do this thing. It is such a it's a I could talk for hours just on, on that whole concept, but like that is such a a, a big uh question mark. And I, I don't I'm not the person that can tell you one way or the other, you know, yeah, you look at a banana taped to the wall i think that has become a meme unto itself in uh whether or not that is art but like i you know i like to go into art shows into museums and, and play um art detective we do this thing called like art detective in our college where it's like if your first if, if your first instinct is to go in and say i don't like that um you know pry pry part and ask like why don't you like it or what is the thing that like isn't grabbing you and you know if it's like giving you a reaction that's so strong like maybe that's part of what like what the intent is behind the piece uh and, and just kind of like play with that and, and kind of see where it goes and i don't know it kind of opens you up to a lot of um more exper- experimental art in that way that like conceptual work is as a whole minefield of good art bad art and, and all sorts of things but i think that there's a lot of like really great things to learn about that that like once you get past like the technical skills of like whether something's rendered right or or it looks technically well done um there's a lot more in the art world that like i I think the last like 30 years has really like and, and and i guess 40 50 years even that like art has really expanded into all these new fields and i think nfts is kind of part of that discussion too that like you know a lot of people wouldn't call nfts art for Just the basis of being an NFT, uh, being digital, even. Um, So I think, like, you know, we have to kind of have a a wide net to uh, accept a lot of this stuff. If we want NFTs to be accepted, we have to also say that, you know, the banana on the wall uh, can also be a piece of art, a piece of rare, rarefied. technical skill to put that there I I guess in the like (laughs) the loosest form but yeah it's it's tough I mean like I you know people can try to like you know grapple with one one piece here and there but like I I like all of it I like I like looking at it all and I like kind of prying out like all the nuances of it so that's that's where I come at as an artist
0: yeah, I think if uh, if nobody's made a banana on the wall NFT yet, uh, you're missing a trick. If you want to make some quick money, just uh, create that now, and you could probably sell it for a few a few few thousand ETH, uh, or just you know make a make an Ethereum address and just call it like banana on the wall. I'm sure people deposit you loads of Ethereum. Uh, seems to be what everyone does these days. Jeremy, let's talk about lucky duck. Um, I would like it if you could really explain it to me. And the audience, because I guess a lot of people wouldn't have ever heard of it. Um, I, myself, am fairly new to hearing about it. Um, I actually got recommended to speak to you by a friend. um, And I I, I like the look of it. So maybe you could explain to me and and the people listening um, an overview of the project. Yeah,
1: I I appreciate you uh, checking us out. It's, um, yeah, we we started back in uh, October of 2021. And, um, you you know, I was doing... uh, uh, one of ones and uh at the time I was doing a series of uh derivatives of um cool cats uh that was my first uh p f p project that I, I really dove into and i really loved the uh art style and the community behind it was really great and i loved like the 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 way that they were handling the character and and it felt very different from you know this was like uh tw- early um like summer twenty twenty one everything was like you know pixel something or other based on like uh crypto punks and a lot of like really just not well thought out designs and art and i think um uh the board apes had just came out like a little bit beforehand and we were just starting to see the really early signs of of this like pfp era of of nfts and um i like the cool cats for how they were handling the design and the the thought like the thoughtfulness of it and um I really just dove into that and I got a cool cat and um, it just dawned on me at the time to uh, take what I know in claymation and, and stop motion and bring that into uh, doing derivatives because my one of ones were doing okay. But um, I really liked that uh, I could connect with people through the cool Cat cool cats community. And uh, they liked my art, but uh, a lot of them were wearing their PFPs and making whole characters about themselves and, I thought, like, what a great opportunity to give, like, a new version of their PFP that's still uh, recognizable, but now in this new form. And nobody else was really doing claymation at the time uh, in, in the space. There's maybe, like, 15 to 20 of us. Like, we could fit us all in, like, in a room together. Uh, and so, yeah, I started offering that up to, to holders and saying, like, you know, you must be a holder of a cool cat and send me your info and I'll, I'll do a, a derivative. And I started doing about uh, six or seven of these and, and they were really a lot to make. They took a lot of time and effort. And, um, and then I was just thinking like, this is great and all, but like, I want to have something that's my own to uh, to call back on. So, you know, like doing derivatives is fun, but um, you know, I want my own project basically. And um I, around that same time, I was hit up by this uh, this developer, this uh, this guy Shrimpy UK, and he said, you know, he was doing um, dev work and he liked my claymation PFP that I had with my cool cat, and we just started talking and we wanted to do a project together. And he's out in the UK and I'm in LA, so we were totally different time zones, and we started brainstorming and what we want to do as far as a character design and like the makeup of the project. And is it going to be humans? Is it going to be like uh, animals? Is it going to be like a PFP? Is it going to be something else? And we just like threw everything at the wall. And um, I brought on uh, uh, a friend of mine who's another artist who goes by Gublin town and he's a super talented illustrator. So where like I can draw technically and I can do like really, I, I can do like pretty decent drawings myself. I'm not, like, a cartoonist or, like, a – I can't draw, like, Bart Simpson really well. But, like, this guy is an amazing um, illustrator. He works in the entertainment world as well. And um, he's not fully doxxed at the moment, so, like, I can't say who he is or who he works for. But um, if you've seen his work – you've definitely seen his work somewhere. But, like, we've never been able to, like, fully, you know, share his uh, background. But uh, me knowing his background, uh, I brought him on as seeing, like – this is somebody I want to work with, that knows how to do cartoons and knows how to do character designs way better than I can. So we um, made this little ragtag group, and then we brought in this guy William, who uh, is in the NFT space and super like well versed in like projects and and uh, he's worked on a bunch of other teams. And so we had this this great team of like four of us working together and just kind of like spitballing ideas and, and building this thing from the ground up and um yeah we came up with this uh this little lucky ducky character um we looked at ducks we looked at um i think we were looking at bunnies and um what else It was like wolves and other different animals and the ducks just like stood out to us as the most like interesting and weird and kind of like funky fun characters to us like um we also had like a couple that were like looking over to the left and to the right but the one like looking straight on at you just like had this kind of like weird quirkiness to it that like at the time it's like it's funny talking about like 2021 cuz like it's like so oh yeah back in the day like nobody was doing you know pfps face like straight facing straight ahead like but like at the time yeah it was like not really the thing that was happening so we were able to like to do a few things that were kind of different and a little off the wall um and we just kind of like ran with it and uh, I had to develop a bunch of new techniques to make uh, the claymation happen. So there isn't really any guidelines or rules to making a claymation PFP project. And we just uh, did a lot of practice and a lot of like trial and error and had to figure out the shadows and the highlights and all the, the technical parts to it to make it look not like cookie cutter shapes, just like layered and, and not fitting right. Um, yeah, everything everything you see in the collection is fully handmade. There's no shortcuts with like color changing or anything. Like if you see like a character that's pink versus purple, like they're actually different sculpts. Uh, and the hats, uh, even the hats, like our, our pirate hat is both like a black, a purple, and a red, but they're different sculpts. If you are to like look at them, you know, uh, next to each other, so it was just like a lot of trial and error because I, I tried doing Photoshop, I tried doing some you know, uh, shortcuts, but like everything felt really cheap looking, uh, once you started to cut corners and stuff. So we, we did, we did the hard work to make it look as, as clean as we could and casting the shadows from like the beak to the the body and a lot of like weird technical things that had to uh, be worked out and to make sure everything lines up properly because clay is very like fickle. So, uh, to make sure that like all the head shapes, you know, are the same shape and nothing like is weirdly out of line and just a lot of like fickle stuff there. And um, on top of that, we also were trying to be the first uh, animated claymation project. Um, So everything was hand animated as well. So there's eye blinks, there's mouth movements. Um, What ended up happening was we got, uh, you know, really on the deadline with trying to launch this thing that we weren't able to uh, fulfill the, the animation part because it's like technical on the dev side. So we we paused that part and rather than um, push back, we left that part off the um, the final results uh, for the launch. And then months later, I think it was like four or five months, we kept working on it and we le- released an update to the collection uh, to make the full collection fully animated. So it wasn't like a, a, a another mint, it was just Fully baked into the original PFPs, everyone got their ducks uh, animated uh, months later. Um, but that was a little heartbreaking to do all that work on the the front end and then have to like pause that and not talk about that part um, during the the release. Um, but yeah, that's that was a, a weird weird time for us uh, during the mint.
0: Yeah, I think it's crazy that those are real clay. I didn't realize. Like having looked at them from, I guess, like a, a fairly distant view, I was like, "Oh, these look, you know." Well, I didn't think they were clay. Um, it didn't cross my mind that they were actually made. So, and you say the uh, the animations? Did you actually did you end up doing those with the clay as well, like the eye blink, or was that? Yeah. Did you say that was done? Prove like. Um, outside of the clay uh,
1: everything is uh, claymation so there's no that's digital... crazy that's so good yeah, thank you um yeah it's it's kind of like one of those things where um the people that are really involved in this project and really like love the art like they they get it um it's hard to convince somebody in the ft space that like this is worthwhile sometimes but like it's it's definitely been a humbling experience where like you can tell somebody up and down like it's all handmade it's all like real clay and stuff and they're like yeah but you know, it's not, uh, it's not a bored ape or whatever. And it's fine. Like it's been a good learning experience as an artist to like go through this process. And, um, you know, but I think there is something like really uh, special about these characters still. And like the art alone, I think like there isn't much like it, uh, out there to this day. And you can try replicating the effects and, and digitally. And, you know, there's some really talented digital artists that do a claymation look and feel, but, um, you know, it's 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 fine. Like I, I think that like I don't have a problem with that. I, I will always like wanna see the real thing end of the day. Like if someone just says tomorrow that there's a new AI that can perfectly replicate claymation, I'll I'll still be able to tell the difference just by my like, you know, sense of it. But um, you know, like for people who it doesn't matter whether they're watching a claymation or a, a CG film, that you know, that's not gonna resonate for them and, and that's totally okay
0: too. You see the technical ability behind what you've created is, is so much more than so many other projects, like just how you've gone about making them. Uh, and the fact that they're, like you say, they're all individual is, is crazy. Have you ever considered making them like maybe allowing people to get the actual clay version of their NFT? Uh,
1: yeah, we've, we've definitely been, uh, uh, asked for that, uh, in the past. And it's been, um, you know, it, it's on the one hand, it's like a really great question because it's like, yeah, you want to like pick it up and hold it and want to like put on your shelf. Um, the the, the Catch-22 with this is that because it's clay that um, like we you would use for like, say, Wallace and Gromit or the same sort of uh, clay for like a Gumby character, it's all very soft and pliable and this clay will never harden. So it's like the ultimate in... Um, Rarefied, uh artifacts because it's like you can never like maybe you could like encase it in resin if you wanted to like be really you know a uh, stickler on it but like other than that it's like it's always going to be pliable it's always going to be malleable it's never going to be like perfectly as you first saw it and um, yeah I think that's kind of like the a fun part about the the thing how like ephemeral it is and and it can like easily just be like dropped on the floor and, and squished but um, yeah as far as people like wanting a physical copy of it um that's been the challenge is like how do you uh send someone in the mail a, a soft piece of clay that you know may uh, on arrival look nothing like what they uh, anticipated um but that's said, we've taken that as a a sign that people want um physical versions of their characters and um we've been working with a team um the past I think six months or so it's been it's been quite a while and they're actually developing a full set of lucky ducky uh 3d prints so every uh every character every outfit is now a digital model that uh, like from head to toe even not even just the the shoulders up so they're developing um a full uh look of each character and an outfit and you can mix and match the different hats and and different wearables um, so we're working right now on the, the part of where we want to like make it downloadable for holders. And um, so, you know, it's a lot of files right now and we're working on how to host it and how to make it uh, accessible. And um, but we're like at the very end stages of, of getting that ready for holders. And um, that's kind of like our, our, our great, like little, um, you know, there's a problem and it's like the obvious answer is like, yeah, you can't do it, but like, what can we find a solution in that, problem to like find something cool and new that people will want so 3d prints is kind of like the the cool technology part that we can you know you can order it you can uh, get the digital file yourself and you can print it yourself uh, I think that's like a really cool like um, it kind of fits with the, uh, the, the the tech side of this and um, so we'll we'll be rolling that out shortly for for folders and and uh, it's yeah it's cool getting to find solutions to these problems because people keep asking at these, these great questions on uh how do i get one how do i you know i want a physical and it's like well we can't do this thing but we could maybe do this other thing that's uh, kind of similar and, and kind of fits the um uh, the, the problem there
0: do you do you still have every physical one left or did they end up having to get like rolled into a big ball <laughs> i
1: i have um a little uh archive i call it like they're basically just like plastic containers with uh, a bunch of the traits and, and assets. Um, if anyone came to the uh, uh, NFT LA um, back in March, they got to see some of the physical ones on display. So we were very delicate to like, you know, properly display it and people would, would try to like pick it up and play with it. i will be like, you know, careful. It's uh, <laughs> the, Cause they don't know what it's made of when they first touch it. Um, but, yeah, we did have them on display uh, recently and they are, uh, I, I don't want to say everything is is preserved exactly because I did have to reuse some things for, for other things just by, you know, for time and, and for uh, getting it all done. Uh, but I think I do have a good set there. Um, I think if you look at uh, Crook C, uh down below, he's got the one of one alien ducky and uh i think i do have the full alien duck in uh encased in and preserved so that one is one of the uh the the very legendaries and I, I have most of the parts for that
0: i think that's really cool i i think it's uh the uh, the way that i think most people kind of want their if they've got like a character profile picture a lot of people are interested in Getting a hold of it in, in real life, um, I, I just I just think it's awesome. Honestly, um, it's it's so crazy speaking to someone who does this as well because it's like it's like a thing that previously would have just been hidden behind a veil. Like I was always just watching these things, like wow. I I don't understand it, but it, it looks great. <laughs> um but yeah, and also you made me laugh when you were speaking about um a bit earlier about choosing the animal, choosing the duck, because like every project I've had on, they're always like, Oh yeah, we were looking at this animal, this animal, uh we, we didn't know about that one, and then they always just <laughs> it's always the same story of like going through a catalogue of different animals trying to decide. I always find that quite funny. Um now maybe you could tell me you know. Is there any challenges you faced when building this project? Like, I guess apart from probably the challenge of making the actual ducks, um, have you found there to be challenges along the way, maybe in terms of building um, your brand or, you know, that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, I think there is, um, I mean, a lot of uh, overhead, like challenges for like starting up a PFP project in, in particular. Like, if you're in the MT space in general, like, as an artist, it's, it's a, I think someone called it like an economy of attention or attention economy. And I think there's a a big segment of that where like, if you have a, if you're kind of a known entity in the art world, like you have a leg up on getting noticed in the NFT space and that gives you like the first step to getting your, your work sold. And uh, if you have like, if you're in well-known, like, you know, actor or performer or or musician, like all these things like really just help amplify whatever you're doing uh, in the space. Um, I've been, you know, obviously I'm I'm fortunate enough to like have a portfolio of like projects and stuff I worked on, but um, you know, the, the, the Frank part of it is that like, you know, I'm, I'm an artist behind the scenes working on most of these projects. Like I'm not the, you know, person on the, the, the trailer or the, the poster, uh, you know, maybe I'm in the credits that, you know, before you, uh, if you don't walk out before the, uh, the end credits roll in the movie, you, you might see my name pop up, but like, that's traditionally how, um, how I work. And so it's been a, a huge, uh, challenge for me to make that leap from working behind the scenes on art and animation to now being the face of a project. And then, Trying to build the attention and the hype uh, around what we're doing here, when you know there's so many other markers for people on like what success is going to look like for a PFP project is like, is it having like a million followers on YouTube? Is it um, you know having a, a a huge music career? Is it you know, all these other things that like signify to people that this thing is going to like 10x overnight or whatever? They're like you know their markers for success is? And um, that's been, like, a a very humbling experience because, you know, I've been told so many times to my face that, like, this doesn't matter and this isn't going to do anything. And, um, you know, and we've faced that journey, like, head on with, um, you know, we had to build uh, this, uh, you know, the follower count for our collection just organically. Like, we didn't bother followers or anything like and, and that's really hard to do when you don't have like an already established uh, following. Like I have a little bit on my personal, but um, it's not like a million or 500K or, or whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm practically an unknown in, in most spaces, but they just know the stuff I've worked on is, is the thing. Um, but yeah, past that, I mean, the major challenges was, you know, obviously the technical side of how do we make this happen? Uh, our developer was like trying to, cross his T's and tie his eyes on everything to make sure that the the mint went well. And, and that was like keeping us up at night because we saw left and right, how like so many problems with mints were happening where like either the, uh, the rarity, um, I can't remember the name for it, but like the rarity charts were getting leaked out and people were like front running uh, collections and uh, just completely ruining uh, the launch on these things. And it's like, you have, like one day basically to succeed after all this work and it could easily be like destroyed if you know one line of code isn't set up properly or like you know you something gets leaked out or your discord gets hacked or you know all these different things could go wrong and just like you know it, it really just a lot of pressure on a lot of fronts uh, for us but thankfully you know we weathered that storm and we, um, sold out like within 15 minutes of, of launching, uh, which was completely like blew my mind. I thought we would be like going for a few months trying to sell out and having to like, you know, ask people to keep minting, keep minting. And, but yeah, once we sold out, I was like, I, we, we were basically like caught like flat footed there. And, um, but you know, we, we kept rolling with it and kept releasing updates and, um, building from there. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of challenges ever, ever since, but that was like a, a huge,
0: uh, completely on my, out of my wheelhouse of so that, uh, that phase of it. And since the 15 minute sellout, are, are you now full-time doing this? Like, are you full-time in the web three zone or are you still working on, uh, you know, whether it be movies or shows or whatnot? um on the side.
1: Oh yeah, I'm I'm, I'm full-time uh, web3 now. So, uh basically Monday through Friday and and sometimes Saturdays, uh I, I'm I'm here working and um yeah, it's it's uh it's like a full-time plus job because obviously this uh the space does not sleep and um you know, different time zones or whatever. But uh yeah, we've been um working behind the scenes on all of stuff. It's it's um it's tough when like you know you you're trying to build the next uh the next killer thing that you you have like a really great sense for um but Twitter has um its own ideas about how stuff gets released and teased out and it's all about the like the the announcement before the announcement before the announcement so um trying not to feed into that uh Style so much, but actually delivering on our our roadmap and our, our promises and the things that we actually uh, really want to to make and to like not just follow the the hype train of like okay, everyone's dropping a, a meme coin, so we got to drop a meme coin, or everyone's do- doing an ordinal this week, so we got to do an ordinal. Like you know, just not following the the trail of what everything is is happening uh, moment to moment. Um, and just going basically to the like the things that i trust are the fundamentals of strong art strong story uh strong project development um and just trying to like lean into that rather than just chasing the the next thing that's you know
0: popping up every week yeah and would you describe your project as uh, more of a pfp um style project or is there sort of planned utility coming in the future uh for whatever whatever that may be um, how are you looking at that sort of side of things yeah we've we've had um a
1: rollout of some different utilities um some of it is like pretty uh, basic like you know we, we had um some items on our store that you could get a discount for if you had like so many duckies and um you know that's like kind of low-hanging fruit but uh we also um allowed the holders to, like, write a book with us back in last summer, I believe, uh, called Ducky Tales. So it was kind of like a community effort to tell a story about their their PFP, and we actually put it into a real book, and that came out, and and it was really cool to get to, like, hear people's creativity come out through through that side. Um, We've been working um, on a project that um, is called uh, Backstage Pass, that kind of dives into what this whole story has been talking about with like my background in animation and how the process works for making um, a short where um, we were talking through a a writing, like basically a writer's room of how you make an episode. And um, we would, you know, start out the story and then uh, people could vote with their duckies on the direction of where the story went. And it's not just like a simple, like, you know, does the character wear a blue shirt or a red shirt? It's like, fully on, you know, the decision of the, 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 the group, um, whether they go in this direction or that direction, and completely changes the the whole story arc. And uh, it's been interesting seeing the how people have been, been voting and decisions people have been making. And uh, even some people were like trying to lobby others for like, wanting this choice to be made. But uh, along with that, uh, you know, once we have the story written, it's going to go into animation and uh, there's going to be opportunities to have their ducky featured in um, different places. So there's like lots of fun ways to like build it in without feeling kind of like a cheap experience and making it a part of the storytelling process. Um, so that's what we're trying to lean into is, is storytelling and animation and um, and stuff that's like not just a a quick, like, okay, you can stake it and you can earn quack bucks or something like that. I think that all is very, like, short-sighted type of gambling behavior that, like, fine for people to engage with it. And, like, you know, if you did great with that, like, more power to you. But, um, you know, with uh, the U.S. system, we have to be very careful on securities and and whatnot. So uh, that's why we don't dabble in that, that side of things. But also, like, I want something that, like, um, it has a strong like storytelling uh, element to it. With anything we do, with whether it's toys, whether it's um, utility, um, so I want that to be like kind of the, the through line through all the decisions we make on
0: this. Yeah, and to be honest, with the background like we spoke about, obviously this whole episode, your background, um, I can see that your sort of vision is. Most likely going to go through because you know what you're doing. Like you, you know how to do these things. You can obviously get this story and make it into an animation. You could probably do it yourself, uh, which is why I, I like to speak to people who clearly know what they're talking about and have experience. You know, in the areas that they need the experience in. I think a cool toy you could do actually just throw my two pennies in here. I'm, I'm thinking like Mr. Potato Head, but with the duck. Like imagine if you could take that beak off and change it. Take take his hat off. You know, change the hats around i don't know it just gives me that sort of vibe i could imagine that but um i don't know why i'm throwing that in there i just think that's a cool idea well um
1: uh, not to cut you off but that's actually ex- exactly what we're doing with the uh, 3d prints so they all have pegs oh. built into the uh the hats the little outfits so you can mix and match um all the different traits and so yeah that is exactly what um you know we have in mind with <laughs> so you're you're on the right track it's
0: uh I'm ahead of my time. <laughs> yeah, so we're, on
1: the, we're on the same page there, and that's what we've been trying to uh, build out with. I mean, it's going to start out as a 3D print. Um, you know, we would love to uh, build it into a toy line at some point. Um, that's kind of the, the phase two that we're looking into ways to um, build this out and um, Expand. So that's, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, alpha of there, but, um, you know, we're looking at ways to take this to the next step and um you know 3D prints is like an easy I want won't say easy easy because we still have to model everything, but um we don't have to like fire, find manufacturers and find storefronts and build out the packaging and like that's a lot of you know process. But um yeah 3D printing is like a great like kind of leapfrog uh, into this
0: and uh getting to do this kind of cool Mr. Potato Head style. No, I love that. I, I can't wait to see that come to fruition now before we reach the end of this i want to ask you if you've got any goals this year like what what are your aims um both personally and also with the project i suppose um is there anything you're really focused on you know completing is it is it this uh 3d printed toy sort of toy lines um idea or is there anything else you're focusing on for the rest of this year
1: yeah, I mean, the um, it's been an interesting time going through this, uh, this bear market that we're, I guess we're still in the, the throes of, but, um, you know, building uh, while this is happening, it's it's been um, a great time to kind of like, you know, step back, uh, not like step back from the project, but like step back and think of like, okay, well, like, what do we want to be doing when things start happening again? Like, what do we want to like have ready when you know, the attention economy comes back around. Um, so that we've been really just uh, going back to the drawing board a lot uh, uh, and just seeing where we can um, hone in on some really great fundamentals. And um, anyone who's been here with us since the like, early days, you know, we've pivoted and, and moved and added things where, like, it made sense. And um, I think that's how you become ready when the thing like is popping off it's like you're not you're not chasing the the attention you're like you're there when it's like it's happening um so i've been seeing like some really great work from other projects who are, um you know while the nft uh, hype has kind of died down they're moving into say like the web2 space and that's something i've been really picking up on and trying to just kind of like pry uh pry at and just see where we can fit in with that um because i think like you know, my whole thesis with this project is that it's for everybody. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're NFTs or not. I think everyone wants these duckies. And um, what we've been finding out through our work with like Giphy and um, on uh, TikTok and Instagram is that people just love the characters. They love the um, these little like, designs. And they don't have to know anything about OpenSea or, or like uh, Ordinals or MetaMask. Like, any of this stuff like, doesn't matter to them. And in fact, like, once we took off the NFT labeling on our TikToks, then they started really to get a lot more traction. So it's just kind of meeting people where they are. And um, I think that's going to be the next wave of this uh, going forward is building in um, the technology behind NFTs and part of Web3 in a way that, like, it doesn't really impact the end user as, as much. Like, maybe they buy, like, a ducky plush from a store, and the ducky plush just happens to have a, a QR code or an NFC um, tag on it, and that unlocks uh, a, another wearable and in, in like and a game that they're playing that happens to have lucky, lucky ducky characters. So I'm looking into all these ways to embed this uh, the stuff into ways that like it, it doesn't have to wear like NFTs and and Web3 on its sleeve as much. Um, I think that's going to be the next thing and I see that happening like um, Pudgy Penguins is like an easy example in the space that like is doing the thing that we're like looking at as well Um, but yeah I think that's going to be what happens uh, the next go around Um, people talking about like CSGO skins selling for like 100 grand or something that like yeah it's basically an NFT but um, they don't call it that centralized and whatever like it's just an NFT by a different uh you know a different system um so i I think like the more that people get this stuff embedded into their everyday it's going to be less jarring for them to like you know have to go on open sea and they're not going to think about all that it's going to be like they're just embedded into the world and they're just having fun with their characters and um maybe in a couple years like some of it earned a little bit of money some of it is you know worth more um same way we look at the toy industry or the, the trading card industry. Like, there, you know, a lot of stuff that, like, is worth nothing and not worth the cardboard it was printed on, but uh, some of it turns out to be worth something. And uh, I think digital collectibles are going to be that for uh, going forward.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree with everything you said. I think, uh, I, I like to say, like, Web 2.5. It's like the the crossover between Web 3 and Web 2 I think is truly where we're going to see the growth come from because I don't think like at the point we're at now with just NFTs solely, you know, people might just have profile pictures and monkeys and whatnot. If that was the only use case and, and all the use cases remained in the Web3 space, I don't think we're going to be seeing everyday sort of normal people getting into it because you have to sort of be into crypto and NFTs to actually understand what's even going on. And that's not actually a very big like that's quite a minority of people but if you can like pudgy penguins you said and also uh, a project i interviewed uh quite a while ago now but they're 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 super cute they do toys as well uh, or they're moving into the toy space as well and all of these projects doing the same thing i think is what's going to push people to actually you know they'll, they'll be in the space and they won't even realize they're in the space a lot of the time um and hopefully that will then allow people to be like oh you know I'm going to see this Pudgy Penguin. I just bought it you know, for my kid or I bought this ducky toy for my child. And then you know, somewhere maybe on the label, you have a link to somewhere and they follow it and they discover through that you know, more about Web3, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And the growth hopefully will come uh, like that. And also not just in IRL uh, toys and stuff, but through services people provide um, that incorporate the technology, but seamlessly. So you don't need to necessarily create wallets and do all this where... You know, so it's like a mix of DeFi and centralized. I think that's really where we're going to see the crossover in the coming years. I'm, I'm hoping so. Anyway, otherwise, uh, we could be in trouble. But I think it is happening already. If you look closely enough, uh, you can see it happening. So, um, but listen, that that brings us to the end of this uh, this podcast. I think it's been running for just over an hour, so it's, it's always a good time to sort of wrap things up. Um, Thank you very much for joining me. I, I think it's been a really interesting one, actually. I'd, I'd love to get you on again and talk again in future. Maybe we could see see how you're doing towards the end of the year or something.
1: Yeah, that was great. Thanks for having me. And um, yeah, I, I always love talking about art and animation, and of course, NFTs. So uh, always down to uh, you know to hang out with you.
0: Yeah, and you're you're a very interesting individual. To be honest, you've done a lot of stuff, man. I, I speak to so many people, and people are doing so many amazing things. And I think. People just need to hear about it, uh, and I think if you know, people may not know your background. They, they may know you're the founder of this project. They may not understand the experience that you've got behind you, which is in, inadvertently very bullish for people investing in the project. I believe. Um, so I think that's been very interesting to uh, sort of um, talk about and uh, dig into. And uh, yeah, uh, why don't you tell them where they can find you, Jeremy? Uh, maybe drop your drop your sort of socials so people listening on the podcast can uh, can find you.
1: Yeah, so uh, Lucky Ducky NFT is our uh, Twitter. Uh, follow all the latest of uh, the the project and what we're doing there. And uh, if you want to follow me, it's Jeremy D Fisher. Um, and uh, yeah, we're we're also trying to uh, you know build out our, our new TikTok. So our TikTok is actually at Lucky Ducky Studio. So um, check that out too. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I think that's most of it for now. You can also join the Discord through there. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll maybe even invite you into the, uh, our holders only, uh, uh, group chat if you're, if you're a member. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. It's been a really great chat.
0: Yeah, no, thank you again. And, uh, anyone listening as well, uh, listening live, that is, uh, if you, if you're interested in collaborations and that sort of thing, uh, feel free to DM me, uh, it's always open and I, I reply pretty much to everyone very fast. <laughs> um but yeah that being said uh, yep have a good day everyone have a good evening uh, good morning wherever you may be and uh, once again thank you very much Jeremy have a have a great day hope to speak to you soon.
1: Thank you